welcome to another episode of Not This, the podcast that seeks to deconstruct fear-based belief patterns and systems with curiosity and love. I'm your host, Tina Marie Olson, and it has been some time since I have released an episode. Um, I can't even tell you why, per se. It's just that a pause was needed. And what's so funny is this episode that Trace and I are releasing today was recorded back in December, and we actually got interrupted, uh, and it was beautiful. The interruption was perfect, and we had had the intention to finish recording the episode together, but life happened. And so through a series of serendipitous events, we've been prompted to release this episode now, and you'll get to the end and know that it's incomplete, which is spectacular because it's just nudging us to record yet another one. So we hope you love it. Thank you so much for listening. And I hope you're enjoying whatever stage of life the universe is bringing you in this moment. We have all been through a lot, personally, collectively, many different stories, many different reasons why, some collective reasons why, some extremely individual reasons why. And whatever you are receiving right now, whatever you are going through, whatever you are experiencing is exactly where you're meant to be. So rest in that, enjoy this conversation, and I am sending you so much love. here for part two i think it's time we went another round what do you think always always Always. time round two is always the best i don't know that seems extremely limiting to me you're right you're right they all they get better every round yeah there you go yeah so last time we (laughs) with my extremely long introduction (laughs) (laughs) we laid down this kind of potential philosophical explanation for how or why human beings end up taking this amazing gift of observer consciousness that we have and turning it upon ourselves and then spending our lives self-examining, trying to figure out what's wrong with us, like getting down this deeper and deeper warm hole that goes to nowhere good. Um, And instead we are constantly in every moment given this entire other option of opening up to consciousness, to our true nature, to stepping outside of this self-watch paradigm, stepping outside of this conditioned set point and no longer being in relationship to it, but instead, instead transcending it completely. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, I love the set point concept because, and how the, that sort of like the ego kind of takes hold of the observer consciousness and uses it as like to watch and almost uh, find what's wrong because it's, it's like the mind co-opting this, this beautiful aspect of life. And the mind is always operating. The mind is not always, but the mind is usually operating from a place of lack. There's always mm-hmm. something wrong. There's always something that needs to be fixed. So you take this, like, we each have that, like that awareness within ourselves that's, that's watching that observer consciousness that's 
watching and observing our life and everything that happens. And then the ego, the mind that's operating from lack and that the, the observer, the, the knows no lack, the observer lets everything in the, the, the awareness in which we know our experience lets everything in. There's no resistance, but that ego and the mind do that sneaky little trick where they sort of take it over and then, and, and they bring their, like, like the, the sense of lack, they bring it with them and they like co-opt it. And, and, and it becomes this like dangerous game that, that goes so under the radar, um, and yeah, a big, a big part of awakening is, is transcending that and trans and, and realizing the observer consciousness for what it actually is and, and getting the mind and the ego out of the way. Mm-hmm. And choosing to align. So when we talk about ego, most of the connotation tends to be the aspect of ego or personality that is totally tuned in and identifies itself completely with fear Mm -hmm. and lack and separation. And yet if we don't have a personality or we don't have an ego, we don't move through the world. We're, we're like blobus or something. (laughs) Yeah. They're they're necessary. The ego is necessary. Right. And so what's possible through a journey of transformation is that the truest thing about the ego can become its alignment to the observer's way of seeing things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. The, the, I think a lot of, a lot of people really want to like, and a lot of spiritual people I've seen really want to like get rid of the ego where they view the ego as almost like a, like a negative thing to like, to be like eliminated and their goal is to, to eliminate it. But the, the only thing that wants to eliminate the ego is the ego. It's the, it's mm-hmm. the, it's the trickiest so it's, it's the trickiest uh, uh, little maneuver that the ego does where like the, the quest to get rid of it is actually it's perpetuating its very existence. Um, so I always love what Ken Wilber said that you actually, uh, the, you, the ego taps into something larger than itself um, and you, you transcend the ego by plugging the ego into the cosmos, into a larger mm. embrace. Mm-hmm. rather than it's actually the people with the like tradition the what we would call like the big egos that actually have small egos because their ego isn't actually plugged into anything their ego is just exclusively identified with just this mind just this body just this ego mm-hmm. i love to see it as um energy because mm-hmm. that's you know i mean that's what everything is anyway and so i just like to see it as dense or diffuse like when someone's ego is really dense it's stuck in those low vibration energies. There's a ton, you know, it's, it's being driven by fear. And then when you run up against it, it feels like a rock or a wall in another human being, right? Like mm-hmm. it, it feels, <laughs> it feels like crap to like run. And so that's when, as we've, to your point, as we've traditionally talked about somebody having a quote unquote, a big ego, it's like, what we're actually describing is it feels like when we come up to try to interact with them. It's like, you're hitting a wall made of brick or stone or something that's like impenetrable. And they're just continuing to project out whatever they project out from that wall. It's like a not, it's like a non-starter for ever being able to have like a heart centered interaction or a more expansive conversation. Whereas I feel like a description for what I experience when I come across people who've actually, you know, done a lot of transformational work and are aligning their personality, their ego to the larger phenomena that is them that they know to be true 
is it feels diffuse to me. It feels open. It feels flowing. It feels completely penetrable because it desires to be co-creating. It desires to be interacting. It desires to be energy exchanging. And so of course, you know, we all still have edges. There's still aspects because that's, those are the, those are the gems for us to continue learning on our journey. We come up against something. Oh shit. I didn't, I didn't know there was an edge there. And then we get to, we get to work with it and we get to turn that into something open and expansive as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think the personalities that we all have are so beautiful. And I think that a lot of like, there's a weird sort of idea that like transcending the ego or really sort of recognizing your true nature, almost like foregoing all those personalities or that those things that make you, you, you know, like Mm -hmm. the human part, the personality, the little like ticks, the, the funny things about you, like they don't go away when you recognize your true nature. It's actually a lot of people that have really sort of awoken to recognize their true nature. They're still them. They've, they've learned how to use the ego as like a, like a vehicle in the best way possible. So they're, they're, they're almost like more them than they were before. Totally. There, there's a certain, there's a certain humor that comes with it too. Like a, a humor about the whole situation and the ego. And you're, you're, I love your point about it feeling like diffuse. Like you can totally feel when someone is not like, has like, doesn't have that death grip on mm-hmm. the ego. Like it's really tough for me sometimes to be around people where it feels like they're working so hard to defend some sort of identity or defend mm-hmm. some sort of image, mm-hmm. um, like defend the, they've exclusively identified with this ego and like their whole life is built around like mm-hmm. trying to defend it and maintain it. And it's just a really, you're right about the word dense. It's just a really dense type of energy that I've always felt like it, it always pulls me back into like old habits and like mm-hmm. almost like will trigger some of my like wanting to, to defend my ego and old habits I had. Um, I always feel like the, like that, that to me is the real challenge. Like, can you be yourself? Can you be open, loving, like around those type of people? Because I, in my opinion, th- those people make it really hard for me sometimes because it's like their, their habits almost like trigger some of my old habits. Totally. And it's, yeah. it's normal. And I think it's what most human beings navigate the world with. And so, you know, what's so fascinating is we can say we experience other people from where we're at, but then we go into a situation with someone who feels like determined to somehow defend themselves against some aspect of us that they perceive to be threatening. And we might not even consciously know what that dynamic is even all about. Like I've done And I didn't choose this. I've done a ton of past life work. It wasn't because I was interested in past lives and my mind was like, oh yeah, that's a good idea. That that'll make you even more normal and relatable. No, like (laughs) I think for me, what happened was as I was on my journey and as I was going deeper and deeper into healing these aspects of me that created walls, um, what I quickly found out was that so much of the healing world talks about inner child trauma. And that's very, very real. Like actual childhood trauma is very real for a, I think probably a majority of people's human experience. It just so happened that it wasn't a big part of mine. Mm-hmm. And so when past lives started to enter, to show themselves as a potential route. Now, again, I have literally no idea whether or not 
there's any quote unquote truth to that. I don't care. Spirit had to give whomever was working with me until I was doing a lot of my own work, a story enough that the energy could be pointed to so that the situation could be healed so that my being could take whatever was dense, release it and turn it into light. That alchemical process tends to need some kind of a story, especially as our minds are still heavily involved in it. I think over time, as we practice more and more being outside of the thinking mind and needing an explanation, then sometimes we can tune into that as just pure movement of energy. But either way, what I learned is that past lives seem to be, or, or I'll just even neutralize it a step further, energies that we came here with, into mm-hmm. this incarnation with, from wherever they came from or whatever we're attracting, we came here to do work. We came here to grow and expand. We came here to become more open, more compassionate, more loving, more playful, more creative, all those things. So there has to be something for us to work with in order to do that. It has to be friction. When you get on a bicycle, the wheel has to contact the ground in order for the bicycle to move. Yeah. <laughs> there yeah. has to be a friction point. Yeah. Yeah, that's the only, that's the only way growth is possible. There's, there, you don't you don't ever grow just from being in like a comfortable spot the whole time. So I, I love that I love that definition you give. Um, was it, uh, about past lives like energies we come into this life? Was that what the de- definition you gave? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, then that, that's fantastic. It's like we're all like sort of imbued with these energies and these tensions within us, and and they all come from different places. Like some people have like you're right. Some people have like a lot of people have childhood trauma but yours was more like past life, um, which is a, which is a form of still trauma. It's almost, I mean, it's very similar to childhood trauma. It's like trauma that happened early on just wasn't during this life specifically, you know, but it's still like energies and tensions that you carry trauma that you carry. Um, and actually learning like all, all of our lives are to enrich source. Um, all of our, it's, it's, a uh, enrichment of, uh, the universal consciousness source, whatever you, whatever your name you give for it. So that, that, that learning process of working through that tension, working through the energies that we came in with is like a, is a fundamental process in that, in that learning and growth that we're all here for. So that's a perfect bridge to the next question that I wanted to ask you, which is like, tell us what your perspective is what's been shown to you on your journey about the nature of consciousness so i like i i didn't grow up religious even though my parents started a mega church and my dad was a christian pastor for a while um i never was interested in religion i just i never i didn't hate it but i never it just never really like did anything for me i just was never like uh, i was i was just kind of like apathetic towards it. i was just like yeah it was just kind of there but it, nothing never grabbed me about it and then i was also never atheist like the sort of the conception of the universe that it's just this like material world that uh is just made of atoms that's all there is everything that happens is just neurons in your brains that was and there's, there's nothing outside of us that always felt ridiculous to me too because there was always this question that like the that the, the question at the heart of it was what is consciousness like like there's trace but i also have this awareness of trace and ever since i was a little kid like it always it was the, it was the question that was at the heart of everything for me. Like, wait, hold on. Like 
I'm there's this, there's some me within me that I can't really put my finger on. Like there's trace, but then there's also this, like, like a me behind trace that's aware of trace that I can't really put my finger on that. Science says this comes from my brain, but there's no evidence that this comes from my brain. Religion doesn't really help me at all with this question. So my, the thing that always drove me was like, what is this? What is consciousness? What is this me? So when I say what is consciousness, my real question was, what am I? What, what, what is this me that feels more like me than the human body of trace? So my, my uh, journey was really a journey into what am I? What is that awareness that's aware of my whole story? Um, which is why I always talk about the nature of consciousness is why I focus on consciousness so much. Um, it was actually my awakenings into the nature of consciousness and my investigation into consciousness that actually sort of opened me up um, and really opened me up to source, opened me up to reclaim the word God. Um, mm. All these different words are just like di different words describing essentially the same phenomenon, the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, and my awakenings. So, so I start with consciousness because it, it was the thing that was the question I had as a kid. I didn't realize what I was really asking was, what am I? Mm. Uh, so my awakenings were into, into what I am, um, what we all are essentially. Mm. The depth of like, I, I can, <sighs> words feel so limiting. Yeah. Because as you say that, as you transmit that, the energy behind it is just so it's expansive and yet full mm -hmm. and yet open and empty all at the same time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, for sure. Cause I, even when I, I'm, I'm so, I love talking about this so much because when I talk about it, I'm not talking about it from trace essentially. You know what I mean? Like it's coming from a, it's coming from a different place now, mm -hmm. uh, which was it, 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 it was my awakenings were so, sort of, I don't know the right word for it. They, they, they were almost like, I mean, I, I'm tempted to say like confirming, like there was just mm. this thing about reality. Like I couldn't place my finger on, there was just this like weirdness about reality. Like there was something that I felt like no one was really acknowledging. Um, and like, it was completely overlooked, which is what is this? Like, yeah, we're these, we're these bodies and these humans, but there's also something behind that. Like, what is that? And as a kid, it was always like that thing behind the body, the thing behind Trace feels way more like me than Trace does. Like the idea that I'm just this, the idea that I'm just born to this world, exists as Trace, and then I die and then it's lights out. And I, my whole life is just this human body of Trace never really sat right with me. It was always like, well, that, that sounds like weird and like unnatural. So my awakening, my awakenings were really sort of like revealing and confirming for all these things that I had like intuited as a as a young kid like there was just something that just didn't sit right with me about reality which is why i was never interested in religion and which is why the like science atheist conception of reality also felt equally as ridiculous to me mm -hmm. it was like hold on no i'm not just this this isn't all just because of some neurons in the brain and and this isn't just a material physical universe that we're all just born into all this experience is because of these neurons in our brain and then when we die it's just lights out and both of those felt so ridiculous to me. So these awakenings were really, really like confirming for, oh, that's why there was always those pieces of reality that just were like so perplexing. Like I couldn't put my finger on. So when you had these awakenings, did you experience the light? Yeah, a couple of them. Yeah, yeah. 
And is it the same or similar to when you do a theta meditation? Are you going to the same place? Yeah. Yeah. That, that's the meditate. I've, I love meditation because meditation always felt like coming home in a lot, in, in a mm. way. Every awakening was sort of like the same thing with like different flavors almost. Mm, mm-hmm. And then meditation is like, just, just the same again, like the same thing, but just like a different flavor. So during the theta meditations, like when I really connect, it's connecting to that same place. Yeah. And, and that light, that light during the theta meditation is, is a light I have experienced before my weekends. Yeah. That's so freaking cool. Yeah, no, it is so cool. That, that's the thing. That's the thing to me. Like, I just feel like people walk around, like, like whether or not, even, even if you're not into spirituality or like care about spiritual stuff, like this is just like, this is just cool stuff to explore. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I, it's just so, it's so weird to me how people just walk around. Like there's just this huge, like awesome cool thing about reality that people just like totally like don't acknowledge mm-hmm. don't ever really like investigate it's like it's just a shame to me that like there's just like there's this whole world that people haven't really even tapped into because a lot it's just not on their radar you know that curiosity that i had as a kid into what reality was the nature of reality like i just my journey was just following that essentially like like just tapping back into that childlike wonder and awe all of that i find to be so fascinating and of course now that we've seen your parents trajectory and their journey and the way that your dad's work has changed over time and all that. Like, it seems like such an, of course now, but back when you were a kid, so were you going, presumably you're going to church every Sunday? Yeah. Not every Sunday. Like we were never, like my dad would, my dad would preach, but like, we were never really, the church was never really that big a part of our life. Like it was just, we didn't really, he kind of like, not really kept us away from it, but like, it wasn't really ever like a big deal in our lives. We went, we went to, we went on Sundays sometimes. Yeah. And like, when I would go, I didn't have the thing that like some people have where it's like, they're like, like really like against religion. Like they hate it. I just remember, I always remember every time I was in church, like any, or anytime I was like involved in anything sort of like religious related, I just remember thinking like, what am I supposed to feel? Like, I just didn't really like get it. Mm -hmm. Like I could, like, I could look around like at everyone and everyone was kind of having an experience and it was, it, the, the service and the the whole church thing was like impactful for them. Like I could, like I could see it when I as a kid looking around, like, mm-hmm. wow, this is really impacting a lot of people. But I just didn't really get it. Like it just never really like connected with me. So I was like, that's wonderful for them, but it just was never really um, interesting to me. And then, and then the idea of like the, the idea of some God in the sky, that's like, that's judging people. And that just was always just seems so ridiculous to me. It was like just as ridiculous as this is all neurons in the brain. Mm-hmm. Like, they were equally, they were all just equally silly to me. So were you asking, were you verbalizing any of this to your parents? Um, not really, but they, they knew that I wasn't interested. Like they just knew that like, like I was just like a different kid. Like they just knew they just, they were, I think they were like a little confused. I, I couldn't even really like verbalize it. Like I didn't really like I'm putting words to how I felt as a kid now, mm-hmm. but as a kid, I wasn't going around like, mm, I'm really interested in what is consciousness, you know? Like it, <laughs> I, I'm more putting like, like I, as a kid, I used to like, listen, one of my favorite things to do was just listen to music and I would close my eyes and, and I would just like the, the, who the experience was happening to like completely perplexed me. Like, like who is actually hearing this music? Like, mm-hmm. is it trace or is there's an awareness of this music? There's like, there's a consciousness that's hearing this music 
there's, there's the same consciousness that is aware of Trace and aware of Trace's stories is also here in this music. So I would do like, I, at the time I didn't, which is actually a form of self-inquiry. I was actually doing mm -hmm. self-inquiry as a little kid. I just didn't realize it at the time. As a kid, I wasn't like, hmm, I'm trying to investigate consciousness here. I was just having that experience and like, like it was just like a natural experience I was having as a child and like something that I was drawn to, but I didn't put words to like, oh, I didn't even really know. I couldn't verbalize it, if that makes sense. It does make sense. And what I love about it is that's how we know it's not mind direct kid. I just love that you just had this intuitive sense of staying connected to your consciousness and who you truly were, even when you didn't know that that's what you were trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's, yeah. It was, it was like, as a kid, I was always like, this is like the cool, this is so cool. Like, it's like, it's like this like mystery I can't put my finger on. So it was like, it was sort of frustrating, but it was also like, like, I would just always like come back to it as a kid. Like, wait, this is like, this is still super cool. Mm -hmm. I always said like, that was like my door uh, into spirituality. Like it just always left the door open. Like even not being interested in religion and not ever considering myself an atheist. It was like the door was always cracked open just because of that question. And just because of that, like, what is this me behind trace? Like, what is this awareness? Um, so it, there was always this like, like wonder and awe about like, no matter where I went, this, this me was still here. Like there was this like question, uh, there was this mystery that like just endlessly mystified me no mm -hmm. matter where I went. So, so large part of my journey was like reconnecting with that child, like, like, oh, go back to that, that curiosity and that wonder you had about this whole experience um, and, and you, you know what I mean? Like go back to that, that like wanting to investigate what you actually are, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like a lot of spirituality is that's why like the the childlike stages are are uh, romanticized and so in spirituality like as as kids we just it, we we don't have the mind running like we do when we get older so we we just in, um, experience reality experience life in, the, in a in a different way we just ha we have that wonder and awe about the whole experience we don't have that mind labeling and sort of like narrating our whole experience mm -hmm. so a lot of spirituality is, is going back to that that wonder and curiosity that, 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 that childlike wonder and curiosity that sort of, that mm -hmm. was a staple of our childhood. Yeah. Mm. Um, the other thing that I'm so interested in, okay. So I have come across your dad's work in more recent years. I mm -hmm. had no religious background myself. And so I don't even understand this concept of like mega churches and, and, thousands of people pouring in for a service on I, all of that is completely foreign to me. So what I'm curious about is like how, obviously we've talked about, like you didn't have language for, for your understanding of consciousness as a kid, but obviously what makes people go fully asleep to their true nature tends to be adults in their life, kind of calling those things that the child keeps from, you know, incarnating and remembering some degree of, of what was going on before they came into this body. It's like, those things tend to get kind of beaten out of kids or they, oh, they're yeah. told they're crazy. If they have like an intuitive hit or a psychic hit, or maybe they even see an end or perceive an entity of some sort or whatever. And they're told by the rest of the world that they're crazy. And so that gets shut off. And for you, I am loving this what would appear to be paradoxical, but I have a feeling it probably actually wasn't, um, 
of your dad being a mega church pastor and yet you never having your true nature squashed out of you. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that, that's, that's totally credit to my parents too. Like my parents never, they never forced religion in any sort of way on me. Like they were totally like open and like, I couldn't verbalize those questions I had as a kid, but if I did bring them up, they wouldn't have like, they wouldn't have squashed them at all. Mm-hmm. They were even like, oh, they weren't, they weren't ever like, I never really sensed like concern from them that I wasn't interested in religion. Like they were totally like, they only fostered that curiosity and that wonder. Um, so even though they were like in the religious, the Christian world and had this mega church, they were never like, I never felt any sort of like pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it would just, even if I like, it just would never work because it wouldn't have been authentic even if I like tried to like fake being into it. Like just no one was really interested in like trying to get me interested in religion. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so so that's totally like my, my parents just did a wonderful job at like, there was every they only fostered having those kind of questions and like only encouraged um asking those kind of questions and having that kind of curiosity so there was Mm -hmm. never any sort of like pressure um from them so yeah i never feel like so people are always confused when they're i'm they're always like they always hear about my dad they're like so you must have grown up really religious and i'm like actually no like it was religion actually wasn't that big of a part of my life like i didn't even really think about it that much people are always confused by that but that's really just because my parents just like never never forced it, never really made it a big part of our life. You know, it was something my dad did, but like, I never really, it just was not a big thing in my life. It almost feels to me, I don't know if I'm going to be able to describe this properly, but like it was a mega church on paper. Like there's this many people going, this is the um, subcategory of Christianity that it's associated with you know, blah, 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 whatever, whatever those things would be if you like devoid it of all yeah. of its soul, but that your dad was never one to be trying to communicate to people at that blue level. If we're talking about spiral dynamics or whatever, like yeah. he was not in the business of trying to get people convinced of something. Oh yeah. No, you're totally spot on. It, it, that's when I say like mega, when you hear mega church, in Midwest, you kind of get like a an idea in your head, like conservative, like you said, like spiral dynamic stage blue. Um, but no, it was, it was so, per- my, my parents were never trying to do that. Like it was so progressive in that area. Like mm-hmm. my dad knew the spiral at the time. He was, he was trying to raise consciousness through the church. Mm-hmm. He was not at all trying to like, it was not at all like conservative mega church after he left, it kind of went back to that way, but that was never my dad's goal. So it wasn't really like, like, yeah, he had a Christian mega church, but it wasn't really a Christian mega church when he was speaking, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Well, and it just shows how many people were drawn to that much more expansive integrated message. Yeah. Yeah. No, that we had, we talked uh, with one of his, I zoomed with one of his friends a little while ago and he was telling me, he's like, yeah, he's like, when your parents had this church, it was like in West Michigan, it was like, like showing people a flying car for the first time. Like he's like, people <laughs> oh, didn't great. even know people didn't even know what to make of it or even what it was. They were just drawn mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. it. Um, and that part I do remember, like, I don't, I, the church was never a big part of my life, but I do remember knowing as a kid, like, Oh yeah, this was like, this was so radical in West Michigan. What he was doing was so, and I even remember some of his sermons. Like I, it wasn't like, like traditional, like 
conservative Christian sermons. Like he was really mm-hmm. doing like advanced stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so it wasn't, so even saying like my parents, it's a bit misleading when I'm like, my parents started a mega church and I wasn't religious. It, it was never like, like I never, it was never like a religious household or like a religious sort of goal, if that makes sense. It was, it does make do sense something within religion. Yeah. And it's still kind of a, a great tagline. I yeah. Mean, you know. Yeah. No, I, I love, I, I just, <laughs> I always am like, well, how can I get people to like sort of connect with like my child, like, like wonder and curiosity about consciousness? Well, it's like, well, if they know my dad, like just tell them that story. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. People like, wait, hold on. You weren't religious. But then, Mm -hmm. and then they hear like, well, you were interested in consciousness. Like, so that's kind of like how my end for getting people. Totally. Yeah. It's a good hook. Yeah. It is a good hook. Yeah. Um, so tell me this, like, when did you realize or what, what prompted you realizing that you want to be a spiritual teacher? Or actually, Um, I don't even want to say want to be like, you are a spiritual teacher, but like what made you identify with like, oh yeah, yeah, this is the direction I'm going. That's a good question. Uh, I had, when I learned the spiral back in uh, 2019, I kind of was like, I remember telling my dad, like, I think I want my work to be like yours. Like I I want to raise consciousness. That's what I said. Mm -hmm. I want to raise consciousness. I didn't really know exactly what that meant. Like, I didn't really know exactly what that meant, but I, I sort of, that was like my senior year of college. I knew that I wanted to do something similar to him, but mm-hmm. I didn't, I wasn't into his spirituality as much as I was still very like mind, like, like, Ooh, knowing spiral dynamics and like, really like, it was sort of mind dominated, but I sort of had like an intuition, like, Oh yeah, this is definitely like what motivates me. This is what I want to do. And then this summer was when I really like had my big awakenings. And my summer was like, when I was like, Oh yeah, no, I actually like, I would use the title spiritual teacher. Like, I don't think in 2019, I would have been like, Ooh, a spiritual teacher. That sounds weird. Like that sounds, but then this was like, Oh no, this is exactly like after my big awakening was like, yeah, this is for sure what I want to do. And I knew like when I decided I wanted to do it, it was like without a shadow of a doubt, it wasn't even like, even saying like, I want to do that is even sounds kind of funny. It's like, right. What else would I do? You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's not, you didn't choose it. It's yeah, like, exactly. Remember, yeah. That's what you came here for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that was when I really knew it was real. Cause I was like, Oh yeah. I'm not even like making a conscious choice. Like, Ooh, this is what I want to do as a career. It's just like, what else would I do besides this? Like, anything else <laughs> so sounds obvious. so freaking ridiculous. Like, yeah. I love yeah. that. Oh, what a cool mission to be on or, or, you know, know, like North star to have of being like a catalyst and a reminder for people to reclaim their wonder and awe. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, absolutely. And, and all I do is just like reconnect to like how I was just sitting there listening to music, like just being like totally mystified, like who is having this experience? Like mm-hmm. who all, I just reconnected that feeling that I couldn't verbalize when I was younger, but, but just reconnecting. Cause that was the biggest catalyst for my own journey and my own awakenings was like mm-hmm. that, that just wonder and awe, wait, hold on there's experience and I'm having experience, but experience is it's known like experience. There's something that's aware of experience. Like, what is that? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so anything I can do to, to help people reconnect to that is just beautiful to me. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about this much like the word ego and we kind of, you know, deconstructed and, and talked about our ideas of what that is. This word consciousness gets tossed around and I know we've set like through your awakenings, you've gotten the first person experience of source consciousness, consciousness, source, Mm -hmm. creator, God, universal energy, whatever, whatever terms the light. Um, And then there's, 
there's like our functional awareness and how much we're aware of. And that often gets referred to as consciousness as well. So will you talk a little bit about your concepts of those and kind of how you like to talk about them? Yeah, that's a great question. The, The word consciousness, I like that word, but it can be a little bit, it's a bit of a loaded word just because of like what it means to a lot of people and kind of what it means in like, um, psychology and, and, and science. Um, it, when I say consciousness, I am referring to the, the, the thing that is hearing my words right now. Like there is an awareness that is hearing. If you're listening to this, there's an awareness that's hearing my words right now. Like there's a, there's a, there's a sense of knowing all experience takes all experiences known all experience. Um, there's a, there's an, you have an awareness to all of your experience. Uh, so when I, so the, the big sort of revelation to me was that, that, that knowing that awareness, that's aware of everything. That's a, the, that awareness that is aware of my words right now is not some sort of different awareness than like, than source, than God, than all those, all those words that you mentioned, than the light, it's actually the same awareness. The same awareness is, is in each of us. So the, the, the awareness that's aware of Tina's story is the same awareness that's aware of Trace's story. Now the Trace experience is different and the Tina experience is different, but that awareness is not different because there's Tina's story and there's all of Tina's personality and everything that Tina's gone through in her life. And then there's also a thing that there's, there's an awareness that was aware of all of that, just in the same way that Trace has his whole story. There's all of Trace's personalities and quirks, but there's an awareness that was aware. There's an awareness that's aware of all of Trace too. Those mm-hmm. aren't separate awarenesses. Now, the problem that a lot of people have is they, they create this, like, this dualistic notion of me and then God and source out there. Mm-hmm. But uh, my awakening was waking up to I am source mm-hmm. i am the light and when i say and the, the the thing that that can be a little misleading and people can misconstrue that because it's not trace mm-hmm. is source it's that consciousness that's aware of trace is source mm-hmm. so that that awareness that consciousness is aware of tina is universal consciousness is source so it, it can feel like when you say like i am source um or i am universal consciousness people because of the, the structure of our language, people mis- misconstrue that as like, oh, trace. It sounds like very like ego, like, oh, I, me, trace. I'm saying trace is source, but no, no, no. It's the, the awareness that's aware of trace. The awareness that's aware of all traces experience is source. And that's the same source in all of us. There's just one source. That's why when we say everything is one is because we all are ultimately the same being. We ultimately all are the same awareness. Um, that's experiencing itself in multiple, in a, in a plethora of different ways. Mm-hmm. Mm. I love how complicated it is to talk about this stuff, not because it makes me feel cool. <laughs> it actually makes me feel like I am learning English for the first time every day. <laughs> yeah. But The reason that I love how complex it is to talk about is because that kind of inherently keeps it out of the mind's ability to understand it. Yeah. And I want my mind, my brain, my, the, the, 
noggin that's on top of my body to stay with me. We're all in the vehicle vessel together. Um, and it's what helps us as teachers continue to encourage, catalyze, inspire people to open up to having their own experience. Mm-hmm. I got a call from a good friend today who's a healer and has been on a journey for quite some time. And she says, Tina, I feel like I'm losing my mind. And I'm like, congratulations. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You've made it. <laughs> yeah. Because what's the, what's the one thing in our experience that goes beyond the mind? Because what we know of the mind is thoughts, thoughts that constantly run throughout the day, but there's always, there's always an awareness of your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Like no matter what, because you can have thoughts, but thoughts are also known. Thoughts are mm-hmm. known by you. There's a, there's an awareness that knows your thoughts. Like, so, so what we know of the mind is the, is these thoughts that, that run constantly, but we also know these thoughts that run constantly and there's an awareness of the thoughts. So there's something in our experience that goes beyond the mind, which is consciousness. What's a, what goes beyond the mind is that which is aware of the mind. So the mm-hmm. mind can never actually really understand consciousness like it wants to, because consciousness is the one thing that goes beyond the mind. It's the mm-hmm. one thing that transcends the mind. Mm-hmm. And it's helpful to be able to have, like, to be able to say to you, Hey, try this theta wave meditation. I, I, th- I think this might take you where you want to go. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then you get to have a direct experience through that, but yeah. it's the direct experience that we're after. Yeah. And that's what helps continue to going full circle, allow the mind or the ego to become more diffuse, to become more open to possibilities. And we get to, we get to places where we can see so clearly the set point. We can see so clearly the way the observer co-opted our experience and turned it upon ourselves and made us somehow wrong and made us a human being as, as a a human experience is a problem to fix or to solve as opposed to a reality to be experienced. Um, for me, when I am feeling grounded and centered and like my, what I call my normal self right now, my, my new set point, mm-hmm. it's like, I can see the observer. I am at all times simultaneously, the quarterback, the head coach, the offensive coordinator in the booth, and also now the drone shot that we didn't used to get to have. (laughs) And those views, it's like, I can see if I'm, if I allow my vision to be expansive enough, I can see all those views at once. And at the same time, I can tune into any one of them that I need to be able to navigate any moment, but no one of them is trying to like co-opt and control my experience. Yeah, because you, you've transcended and included all of them. They're becoming aware of all of them. Mm-hmm. Your work, your work on your awareness, your work on your consciousness has allowed you to become aware of all those different aspects of yourself. So now you're not um, kind of held by any one of them or like like just subject to any mm-hmm. one of them. Your 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 awareness is at the point where you're aware of each one and you've, you've transcended each one. So you're not like held prisoner by them, but, but you've included them. So you're able to access mm-hmm. all of them. 
yeah, no, that's, that's, a, that's a great way to put it. Yeah. And Trace and I got cut off in the remainder of this conversation, but we'd actually like to think of it as a pause button. So we recorded this way back in December of 2020, and you may be listening to it now as it's released in June of 2021 or sometime in the quote unquote future, which of course is simply the present moment always. And so much has transpired in the work that Trace and I are doing together around the exact thing that he left off talking about, which is around transcending and including this idea uh, from spiral dynamics and integral theory that as we continue to develop and grow, we bring the best parts of ourselves forward. And we've actually created a ton of work around that now. And so Trace and I are going to record part three. <laughs> this is like the podcast that never ends. We're going to record part three and we're going to release that shortly for you as well. So we hope you stay tuned. We hope you enjoyed this conversation so much. And we look forward to being with your energy next time. I am sending you so much love.